Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. All right, we are back with our guest for today, Mark Dubrick. And believe it or not, Mark's just a young chap. And once you hear his voice, it'll make sense since he's still going through puberty. But more, all in all, we want to give Mark a platform, talk about his career to this point, his uh, goals for next year. We've got myself and Robbie Deckard on here to ask a couple questions of Mark. But Mark, um, tell us about your last 48 hours. Well, what's up, Nick? Thanks for having me on. Um, I've been looking forward to getting on the Real Tri Squad podcast for a while. Um, so, yeah. Pretty busy last 48 hours. Raced a uh, 70.3 in Bucon, Chile. Uh, came out, came away with uh, third place, and now I'm starting my travel back to the U.S. And Mark, of course, is one of the lucky few people I've met who just gets free flights and pays taxes. So as a pro athlete, I, I don't think you could have a better setup. Pro triathlete. Yeah, so standby. Um, it's not a guarantee that you're getting on a flight. I missed a few flights on the way to Pucon. But honestly, if, if it wasn't for that, if you get on the podium, if you would have gotten on the podium, you still would have lost money uh, with how expensive the flights were. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I even I was going to go to this race and pieced it together to where I set up a two one-way flights to Miami. And then from Miami to Tumuco, the airport that's closest to Pucon, it was still like $1,800. So it would have cost me overall travel like $2,300. And that's like, even if you win the race, that's the purse is maybe 3K, I think. Yeah, I heard some, we were all talking about the price of flights. And I heard some ab absurd amount of uh, money that people were throwing down to get here from wherever they were um, coming. But yeah, it was I guess I'm pretty fortunate there, but took a risk and it, it paid off on the way here. And then on the way home, um, you know, I don't mind at all flying, flying standby because there's not much to lose on the way home besides maybe a training training day, but I don't have anything on the schedule for the next two months. Um, so, so Mark is right now at the Santiago airport recording with us since we really wanted to get his kind of thoughts on the, the race. What did Mark like? I'm going to ask you for sure to run through this. What um what motivated you to go to Pucon this early? You know, January, what was it, eighth or something that you raced? Um, and overall, how was your experience there? And I'm sure Robbie will chime in and ask a question or two after that. I'm not sure what actually stems um, my idea for coming down here, but it was right before Clash or a couple weeks before Clash. I wasn't really ready to be done with the season, and then I raced pretty bad at Clash Daytona. So I was like. I'm not ready to be done. Um, I want to at least uh, give a, another long course race. I'll put it on the calendar. So even though it is the next season and I already took like a two week break right after uh, Clash Daytona, it doesn't really feel like it's, uh, it's hard to explain like where it fits in the year, but cause there's summer. So I just, what I flipped into their mindset of racing in the summer. It's not necessarily the start of the year. Um, even though for us, that's how we treat it. But yeah, I was able to do it kind of cheaply with flying standby. Um, the race helped me out quite a bit too, which was awesome. And then they treat the pros really well with um, 
like they give meals to, to most of the pros and all the people who work for uh, the race. So they split it and we make it, they make it really affordable. Yeah. It, it seemed when I was going to go, it was going to be a pretty awesome situation. I was, it's like the second year I've had to bail on that race. Um, but it's like, you can go race in Australia during our North American winter, or you can go to, you know, South America and experience their summer. So it's a great opportunity. Right. And I love, love the area there in Pucon. Uh, it's, there's a couple of volcanoes in the distance. And then when you get there and you kind of experience the culture and you realize how big of a race it is for, for the Chileans, honestly, all of South America, they don't have many pro races and they really get behind all the pro athletes, which I kind of realized firsthand um, how much they enjoy having the pros alongside them. So there's a lot of events that um, they had and they even flew in some of the short course athletes to be part of it. It just kind of feels like a big family there. And um, yeah, I'm definitely going to go back to this race if it, if it lines up again. Yeah. But yeah. That's good. This is Robbie chiming in. Um, you were talking about how, how much the people love triathlon there. And from my personal experience, I, I also agree like racing in South America is, is very unique in itself. And just the fact that there are fans along the course and you come out of the swim and everyone's cheering on the bike, people are coming out to watch the race. Could you run us through sort of like, what was your experience like racing? A lot of pros sort of share their results, but they don't go into too much detail of like, how did the race unfold? Could you run us through like, what were your tactics in the swim? How did the bike pan out? And then sort of how did the run go um, and how did it lead you to the podium? Yeah, of course. Let's, uh, let's get into it. So I, again, this was just like, um, very low key race for me, happy to get there. And I was wanting to have fun, put together a strong bike or a swim bike run, you know, put together a, a good race. Um, I didn't really know where I was at, you know, I had only put in two and a half weeks of, of training after that, those two weeks off. Um, so going into it, you know, I knew I was one of the stronger swimmers and there's a few others in the, that were in the race that were also, um, similar. So I knew there'd be a small group group off the front. Um, it didn't really pan out like I was thinking on the swim. I thought I would, it would just be maybe two or three of us um, in a single file, uh, kind of getting a good gap. But it was it was actually really weird. It was two, like three of us in the front. Well, I took the lead at, the, at a really good start. And then it was like two by two and even three wide. And then we were just all slowing each other down. It was kind of frustrating. So I ended up just like um, sitting in and just kind of cruising through uh, the swim uh, until maybe the last 50 and I pulled away just to um, make sure I had a, a clean T1 because there's technically three transitions at the, this race. They let us um, put shoes on right after um, getting out of the water because it was a one kilometer run to, to the real transition one. So all of us stripped our wetsuits, uh, put our goggles in this makeshift transition that they just had for the pros. And then we all ran uh, that kilometer to, to T1 where we then could grab, you know, our bag with our helmet and get to our bikes. Yeah. And quickly, what was your thought process for that T1? Um, I know like coming out of a swim, sometimes the blood isn't in your legs and your legs don't feel too good. Were you planning on like attacking there and trying to get a gap coming into uh, the real T1 or were you just going to sort of follow the group and make sure you were there? Yeah, my plan was just to follow the group. Um, I think there ended up being five of us all kind of running uh, together. I'm super happy. I put on shoes. There was a few people who didn't. Um, but it was, a, I mean, it was a really long run on just the street. 
So I, I wasted a little time putting the shoes on, but I think in the end it saved me time because I was able to run just a tad bit faster. And then um, I had a really, really bad mount on my bike. My transition itself was pretty good. Um, just getting onto the bike for some reason, I, I actually don't know what happened. I think I broke both of the rubber bands as I was trying to put my feet in my shoes right away. And then they like both just like spun around. Um, so that's definitely I need something I need to work on more with uh, the TT bike jumping were, on it. After you that were running line. those new Bont shoes as well, weren't you? Yeah, so I think um, I didn't practice that enough. I mean, I've been on the trainer since being home in Chicago after Clash Daytona. So I did do a, a few mounts while the bike was on the trainer. Uh, obviously not full a full lineup, but uh, yeah, it's not the same as practicing at full speed out on the roads. How was bike power and bike tactics? Was it pretty fair, clean riding? Or was it kind of, you know, South American flair? Uh, it was a, a mix. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of flair. Uh, I would say not not too bad. Uh, there weren't too many officials out there, and I couldn't. I never really saw that front group after they pulled away um, coming out of the transition. Um, there was like four of them, I think. So I, yeah, that was obviously the low point for like something I obviously didn't um, think was going to happen is like them pulling away so quickly after I messed up my mount. So I was solo until um, – the Colucci, the Brazilian guy caught me and not, not far into the race, maybe uh, 5k in. And I just, it's something that I've always had a hard time with is put, putting that power um, down right away, like right away coming onto the bike. So, uh, and I think it's more just like a mental thing. It's like, just know that it's not going to be the whole race. Of course, it's just 10 to 15 minutes. So when he passed me, I just gave it literally everything I could, um, just for, I was like, I just picked 10 minutes, 10 minutes, like stay with it for 10 minutes. Um, so I think I, I didn't look at the power, but I think I was like 3.30 or 3.40 for that first 10 minutes after he passed me. And he, uh, he and I uh, made it pretty close to that front group, but then he must have done a surge or something and he was able to bridge further up and catch that front group. And then I was just solo until um, the guy who got fourth caught me and we worked really well together. Uh, the rest of the the rest of the race and Colucci pulled out didn't he yeah he, he pulled out after the first lap of the run so we were down I think by two minutes just over two minutes at halfway on the bike and then me and um gosh I'm spacing on his name he's really fast on the bike um it was me and then this guy Flavio and then um the guy who ended up getting fourth overall we it was just the two of us working together and <laughs> we ended up dropping Flavio because he was doing nothing. Um, I don't want to, I should, maybe I shouldn't say names, but you can bleep that out. Um, but no, yeah, I was, we, he, wasn't doing, he, he wasn't doing a thing. <laughs> and uh, so he was, yeah, I cut it a little close, I'd say with the 12 meters. Um, so I think we dropped him around um, 60K and then we just, yeah, hammered it home. I think we ended up coming in just a minute and a half down maybe a minute down I forget what it was but we made it back and and there was a few dogs on the course that reminded me so that was a little scary um there was probably one or two close calls with dogs on the bike and then um I had a pacer dog for one uh, a couple hundred feet on the run <laughs> um okay so you were coming off the bike at a small deficit um we could see him leave in transition uh which was awesome I didn't know we had no like splits or anything um so that was really cool to see that we had made up time 
And another thing I'm going back to like the actual bike part, I was really working on nailing my nutrition. That's something that I've really uh, struggled with is getting kind of enough. So I was really, really pushing it. And I was, feeling, I was feeling pretty good. I was able to get right around 95 grams of carbs um, per hour on roughly on that, on the bike. So you got to get more, you know, that that's next 115 yeah. grams per hour. <laughs> I mean, I think um, there weren't many aid stations either. So I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot to work on, uh, work on with nutrition still, but it definitely helped my run um, being able to get a lot of those carbs in on the bike. Well, let's just say that I was so excited that you got third. Um, and then deep down, I was like kind of pissed that I didn't race there. <laughs> um, being able to secure <laughs> your 70.3 world slot right now at this point of the season is just so nice. So hats off to you for making the trip, taking a chance and getting after it. And I don't know, man, like that's got to feel really good. I, that happened to me at Chattanooga last year. I ended up, you know, it rolled down to me and I just got it earlier than I expected. So that's great. Um, so transitioning away from the, the race, obviously putting a good result for real tri squad down on um, map right away. What is the rest of your season looking like? Are you going to go more Olympic style racing? Like what's, you've got to make a big decision coming up. Yeah, it is a big decision. Um, and every time I, Every podium I get in the 70.3 kind of makes it harder and harder to go um, back to short course. But I do love short course still um, just as much. It's something that I'm very passionate about, chasing that Olympic dream, my childhood dream. Um, and I want to just see it through. So I think, I, you know, I know I'll go back to short course this year, um, give it absolutely everything I, I can and see what happens from it. I just don't want to have any regrets. Um, and having uh, like sponsors and the real tri squad back that decision of mine obviously really, really helps. Um, cause sometimes short course isn't the best financially. There's a lot of, there is some money in there of course, but as far as sponsorship, you know, I, I it seems that no one in the U S really cares about short course stuff, but at the moment I really care about it. And I just want to yeah, chase that dream. Yeah. I've got a question about the short course stuff. Growing up, I did a little bit and we raced with each other doing junior ITU racing, uh, but then I sort of stepped away just because the swimming wasn't fast enough. Um, what is it like being a short course athlete in the U.S.? Um, like how how do you get funding if you do get funding? And then sort of what's it look like for you? Uh, can you just summarize like how do you get to races and how do you choose those races? And then how does it fit in with the the training for 70.3? That's a really good question. Um questions <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's been <laughs> and, and kind of a loaded question how do you get funding how do you keep funding um yeah honestly i think everyone's answer to that will be a little different um there's a few paths to to it i guess there's the project podium that you'd have to get selected or invited to it's like kind of u.s development uh male i don't know national national team kind of, I guess. It's not really the national team, but they're fully funded, I think. And um, there's a few guys on there. And then there's, of course, the real national team, which has the criteria, like result-based criteria um, based on your World Cup and Olympic um, or your world rank and your WTS results. 
and then the same goes with like finding sponsors it's the same like you any sponsors of course going to really really help your um, ability to go to these races because each country can only host three races so to touch on your question on uh, like how do you accrue points or how do you up your ranking you know it's it's a culmination of 12 races um, six from each calendar year and um, after one calendar year they they kind of go down, I think it's down by a third or two thirds um, and that's what that's what makes your world ranking and then your w world ranking dictates how you get onto these start lists. Okay. So basically that's a fight you're still willing to put yourself in for in terms of 2023 to try to get those Olympic points. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been a fight this whole time. Um, and so I'm not afraid of, of the fight. I, it, nothing in sport is easy. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for it. And I think I still have a really good shot, but I'm just, Honestly, just every time I, I think about how hard it is, I'm just also equally as grateful to be able to do my dream job, to be able to, I'm in, sitting in an airport on a Zoom call after having an amazing podium, an amazing race, meeting so many cool people um, in another country. So, you know, it equal, equals out and it's just awesome. Um, so next steps, like, you this is where i was talking about like you've got to make a decision are you going to line up for another 70.3 or do you need to change focus for a couple of those races like soon because i know a lot of short course stuff it doesn't follow the traditional you know long course ironman build it's like a lot of travel random races here and there and random countries that provide little or no help or support and it's really a navigational kind of dilemma um and then you've got super league later this year if you decide to do that which hopefully i can draft you on my team um basically what is that what is your season going to look like if you try to go all in for the short course yeah um that they, thankfully they've re released quite a bit of the schedule already um so some of them are actually pretty reasonable to get to so i think i'll definitely do some continental cups to start with um since not doing many short course races towards the end of the year. Last year, my rankings kind of fallen quite a bit. I think I'm sitting at like 110. And of course, if you want to get on a WTS, lit, uh, WTS start list um, on your own, because like the US, the US Federation can sub you in and sub you out at the WTS level, no matter your ranking, you just need like someone as a placeholder, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. um, so you need to be top 55 and top five American to semi-guarantee yourself on the start list um but of course if you get on they can take you off and put someone else on if they want it um so the goal is yeah get top 55 and move back into the the top five of americans and then start doing those um, olympic points race which are the all world cups and all wts's okay but what does that look like in terms of you know, February, March, April, May, like how many races per month? Um, like which ones do you think you might focus on to get points? Has that really been solidified yet? Or are you still kicking it around? No. Yeah. Still kicking it around. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good opportunities and it's just choosing the right, the right races, um, that kind of suit my strengths. Um, but in the end of the day, you just, just got to race hard um and be the best triathlete you can but it seems to be end of march um that's when the first world cup is i'm not sure if i'll actually do that one 
Um, but some big, big miles and hours on the bike coming up. That's really the next big step. Right before this race, I was I did um, some big, big weeks on the bike, and that's really what I need to be focusing on. I hardly swam and hardly ran. It was just all, all on the bike. Yeah, that sort of segues into one question I have for you. It's sort of a two-part question. First part is, well, leading into this race, you said you did bike volume, uh, and you said you also only did two and a half weeks of training pretty much after off season, which is impressive. Um, leading into a 70.3, sort of how do you go about putting your training together? I know you have a coach uh, who writes the training, but I know you guys are, are, are close and, and I'm sure you're involved in what training you do. Um, sort of what does a build into a 70.3 look like? And then second part is how does that differ from an Olympic distance or even a sprint ITU race where the, the power profile is much different and the intensity is much higher? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest difference is the intensity is just a little bit higher um, coming in and prepping for those short short course races. Um, honestly, yeah, I have a good relationship with James, my coach. Um, I was with him for the past three years in person with, with our squad, but I decided to jump out to Boulder and then now heading down to Tucson with you to um, kind of do a much better job in the group dynamics of cycling. So the like, getting out and hammering these hard group rides is something that I've kind of lacked in my training. We both, my coach and I both agreed that Boulder and, and then now Tucson is something that like makes a ton of sense. Um, but then, yeah, as far as training going into this race, it was, um, it was, I mean, of course we, we rested for the travel there the week leading into it. It was, um, we were prepping for a, a, racing the best I could, but, the two weeks leading into it, I was, I think, 18 and a half hours on the bike. And then the, the week before the race, or like the week leading in, not leading into the race, the week before that, I was just under 20. Um, but not much intensity, um, maybe one or one day of, of pretty long efforts and another day of just like some shorter um, under geared work, but just pushing that volume a ton right now. So that's you know still pretty generic mark i'm looking for some details here. i know i know i'm sorry yeah, one key session I'm... so so that one over year session what what were the details the watch the cadence how long was it and what yeah it? let's hear the the deets we yeah. sorry nitty gritty. i i that's why i like having a coach i just he puts it in and i trust him so i just follow it but some details okay so we've been doing this one quite a bit we do it every monday um it's either it's been anywhere from a two to three hour ride and, you know, an hour in or an hour and a half in, it'll be 10 times um, a minute at 50 to 60 RPMs hard um, with 90 seconds rest. And so 60 hard? on, 90 How off. How many watts um, for 60 seconds? It was, and this is in TT position. Um, I think I'm normally around, what am I around? Like 410 to 420. Oh yeah, I forgot. But for me, Mark, that Mark's on that stages power meter that kind of puts a little extra power in there. I think. Yeah, I don't know if I'm that high. Which when the stages turns purple, what color, what power is that? Do you know? <laughs> that means you're not getting drunk. <laughs> if your if your Garmin reads purple, it means you're good. You're not going to get drunk. Okay. I think that's VO2 max. Okay. <laughs> right. Here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to log into my Strava. Everyone should follow me on Strava. I don't hide anything. It's all public. I go back to this session. I'll try to multitask and talk you through the other session I've been doing. 
um, we did this the past, uh, we did it three times in a row, um, was three by 20 with five minutes rest. And that, those were at 300 to 320. Nice. And what's that effort for you? What'd you say? What's that effort for you? Like, what does it feel like? Is it, is it like 70.3 race effort you would say? Yeah, I'd say that's 70.3 like goal or no, I think I, I mean, I was 295 at the race or sorry, 290 average, I think for the race. So yeah, that's like what I should be able to hold for a race. Um, but I actually suck at pushing power on the trainer. That's not an excuse. I just legit, I don't know. I've never been able to push nearly as nearly the same power on a trainer, but um, yeah, I'd say 70.3 race pace to answer your question finally. <laughs> yeah. Did you get that workout pulled up? If, if you don't have it pulled up yet, I've got one question for you. Yeah, go ahead. I'm pulling it up. It's my internet's so slow here. All right. So your nickname, I don't know if people know this, but it is Mark the Shark. And you get that nickname because you swim like a shark. If anybody's ever seen Mark swim, uh, he looks like uh, not quite Michael Phelps, but uh, pretty pretty damn close for a triathlete. So growing up, did you swim? And then now, uh, sort of what does your swim training look like? I'm sure everyone is curious, what does the best swimmer or one of the best swimmers in triathlon do? Um, so we'd love to hear that. Um, that is an awesome nickname. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I grew up swimming. That's kind of the first, that's the first thing I did first sport I ever did. I just followed kind of in the footsteps of my siblings. Uh, and then I just stuck with it all the way through high school and then a little bit in college um, due to some injuries. So I was, yeah, I was a distance swimmer and a little bit of a backstroker um, primarily the entire time I swam. Um, and I was, you know, pretty good at uh, the pool swimming. I was never like, I made it to like winter naps once I ended up skipping it though, to focus on running a running race. Um, but I was never like super, super good. I never made it to like any of these huge swimming races, but I, uh, just always really enjoyed it. There was a fun group of guys in high school that made it even more fun. And I got a taste of like open water swim racing, um, pretty early on too, at these races called zones. I think I was like 12 or 13. And for some reason I was just a lot better at the open water swimming stuff. A lot of that was, um, for some reason, uh, swimmers are just, can do underwater work like crazy. I don't know how I've never learned um, that skill. It's like the fifth stroke and ends up being the fastest one. Yep. So I never had those wall, the wall technique and all that stuff. Um, so the open water swimming um, definitely suits me a lot better. Um, and I've just slowly adapted to being able to swim faster in open water than ever before. And then my pool times are probably a little better than my best times in high school, but I've just adapted to the open water swimming really well. What are those times? Uh, what were my high school times or what, what are my times now that I think I could go? Yeah, let's hear an example. Like what's, uh, if you had to do 500 TT short course yards, American style, what do you think you'd go? Uh, if I did one now, I could probably go maybe 445 or so from maybe a push, 500 yard. That's pretty quick. That's great. I mean, most people are just happy to do like under seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I said, I've been swimming for a while. So but it's funny when you look at like the top, what the top swimmers do. And that's what I try to sometimes compare myself to is not just like the best triathlete swimmers, but it's hard to do with swimming because like there's high schoolers like 
14 year old, fifth year olds who are going 415 or so. <laughs> yeah, what do you what do you think that is? As somebody who grew up swimming, um, like what do you attribute that to? Because in other sports, like you don't really reach a mature level until you're in your early 20s. So how is it that these 14 year olds are going so fast in swimming when they're I mean, not even through puberty yet? You know, most of them. Um, is it strength? Is it endurance? Is it the training? Is it feel for the water? What is it that allows them to go so fast, so young? I ask myself that all the time growing up swimming because I was always super small. You know, think of a cross country runner swimming against these giants. Um, and yeah, just like, I don't know, they looked like they would be in two age groups up when I was always racing them. But I, was, I guess I was just always small. Um, but I think it's all the above strength. Um, a lot of them have, if they have a good club team, they're lifting earlier. Um, it's all the hormones they, and all that food they eat. All the hormones of chicken and the eggs and the whey. It's just all the hormones jacking everybody up early in life. Um, so yeah, I really don't have a good answer to that, but it's it's kind of crazy how fast people are swimming and running at an earlier age these days. Well, it looks like our the endurance sports world is turning less into, you know, once you get older, you go slower. It's like, okay, now you can run within 10% of, or maybe uh, this will probably be, is going to happen soon. You can be within 10% of the fastest Olympic times or the fastest marathon times, maybe off the bike for running or something. It's just kind of unreal. Like maybe this year we'll see like a, a two twenty marathon off a bike one time, or, you know, that's really getting into the, the upper elite runner level, not to mention you've got to swim and bike beforehand. So the sport is taking a big evolution. Mark, you'll certainly be part of that mm -hmm. since you're like 13 years old seems like you're just so young and you've got such a long career <laughs> ahead of you um but let's switch gears real quick i um, finally found out I, I finally found that workout by the way okay yeah right, <laughs> real quick let's finish on that before i start talking about some real tri squad so what what was some power and stuff looking like on that workout so i did it was this is monday this is a week What's today? Tuesday. It's a week ago, um, a week and a day ago, right before I left for this race. I did the same. That what I um, what I said was ten by sixty seconds on, ninety seconds off. Um, and I think the day before this, I did a five hour. It was a five hour ride, just all aerobic. Um, so I was I was still pretty tired because I've never done a five hour trainer ride. Um, so this was looks like what I said. All four. 20s to looks like I hit a few four thirties in here. So yeah, stages coming in clutch, reading high makes me look good. Yeah, I mean, obviously <laughs> that bike power and that workout wasn't really available to you to tap into come race day, since it takes you know a couple months for you to be able to race with that same type of intensity. But ultimately, the big picture is in two or three months time, your functional threshold or your operational threshold is going to be much higher to where your legs on the bike won't be your limiting factor anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it because I know there's two ways to get faster on the run as well. Talking about the bike, of course, is obviously getting fitter on the bike um, or just obviously getting faster on the run. But I know the, the less fatigue I carry into that, that half marathon uh, the better. So I'm excited for that. And I'm really getting, getting into the lifting 
now that's something that I've never never done so uh, Robbie is gonna hopefully be a lifting partner of mine yeah you, you guys you and Robbie are gonna be bros in Tucson race Chad's gonna send you some videos um, it's drawing on my scientific background I never forget that curls get the girls like hair curls yeah I've been I've been throwing those in <laughs> yeah I've been, you, I've been doing a lot of curls good good and in Tucson Most, uh, mostly yeah. hair. it'll be helpful yeah, what uh, what um, what kind of curls? Are we talking bicep curls or hamstring curls? Well, you need some flowing locks from your head that are curly. Oh, that curly. biceps, and That's I don't know if curls like hamstrings, but uh, definitely the upper body. You got to be flexing at the ASU pool or U of A, whichever one it is. I forget. Um. So, Mark, twenty twenty three real tri squad. You're our youngest on the squad, I believe, and. Why, why the hell did you decide to join up with us? What were you thinking? Man, yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, no, I'm so excited to I'm so excited to be part of the, the squad this year. I think I met all of you guys for the first time at St. Anthony's, and you guys are just a blast. I feel like we kind of um, knew, we, I don't know, just like meshed really, really fast and uh, riding on that yacht after it was obviously a good time but we, we kept in touch and I trained with Leslie quite a bit and finally got to meet Lisa and a bunch of other people but yeah it's um it makes triathlon fun and I always want to you know it's my job but it's also just uh, my biggest passion so I want to make sure it's fun all the time and um, if I can focus on being the best triathlete I can alongside you guys that obviously is makes it uh much more enjoyable yeah, it, it, it's nice to have a bit of a association with other high focused or highly focused and highly performing people. So we're all going to like I always say you, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So if you want to be successful, you've got to train up at all times and you've got to always you know, you can't be the fastest one in your group at all times. Otherwise, you're not going to get any faster. So. I think we all have a lot of mm -hmm. traits business wise, social media wise, competition wise that we all can pull from. And, you know, we'll have Robbie doing some lactate protocols. Um, we are building a good network. And then most importantly, Mark, on our YouTube channel, we're going to require you. It's in your contract. I didn't tell you this yet to put together some swim demos. <laughs> People can learn how to swim from Mark. So that'll be coming on our YouTube channel um from mark yeah well we did talk about this a little bit because i was telling you i telling you i kind of wanted to get into that swim coaching anyways so um i would love to do that yeah i think uh okay. that's the next step i can get a there's a little a little sneak peek i think uh people don't really take advantage of kicking that's uh i'll just leave it there a little cliffhanger go follow <laughs> this youtube channel um Kicking it'll be, to help. <laughs> it'll it'll be like uh, something that's been around forever that people have always been doing, but just never really focused on. Much like the lactic testing that Norwegians have magically designed as breakthrough um, that's been around forever. Right. If you just focus a little bit more on precise kicking for certain scenarios, you can probably adjust a lot of your body position and your propulsions. Go figure. Right. Definitely certain definitely certain scenarios i mean uh the kick when i broke my hand a couple of years ago when i was able to i was only able to kick 
that's what helped me. I know that's not what's going to help everyone. There's a lot of other steps, uh, like you kind of said, body position, that uh, high elbow catch. There's a lot of other steps that go into the proper form. But I think uh, as triathletes, I mean, swimmers always kick. They have days that they only kick. Yeah. But as triathletes, I think it's been, they look past the kick because like, oh, no, I have, you know, I'm going to bike and run later so I can't be tired, um, which I think as for some days, of course, is, is, is correct. You don't want to affect a hard session. Um, but I think if you don't train the kick, I'll just use an example, like the get out speed or the sprint at the start, you know, if you're not kicking in practice that much, that's, that might tire you out more. Um, so train it a little bit and then maybe yeah, you're stronger and it's not going to use as much, much energy. Um, if you even need the kick, you know, maybe just, you know, need to kick it off, but. Well, that makes sense. I mean, we'll, we'll have a lot more, you know, we'll put together some more swim series techniques through video and more podcasts, but yeah, you and Robbie, you could, you got to work on Robbie's kick in Tucson. Yeah. I will hire you. You'll be the uh, first market shark coaching client, uh, in about one week. <laughs> Let's I'm, go. I'm going to sign the contract. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mark. Yeah. Uh, I, um, go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. It was a little, that we had a little delay there. Well, I'll keep go going. Ahead. You go ahead. I was just going to wrap this bitch up. I was just going to circle back and I know we kind of grazed over uh, some of the race and I forgot what else so other questions I didn't ask. I'm not sure if we want to edit that back or what. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the questions Robbie asked that I probably missed. So I apologize. Well, Robbie, kind of asks like a paragraph question so if you missed anything it's fine <laughs> yeah i tend to do that yeah one point <laughs> is six and then i actually ask and then one hour later we're talking about something completely different and i go on tangents so i it's kind of my fault too yeah maybe it's not good that we're going to be roommates we're uh gonna get out the door for training at like noon and and have no idea what we just spent the last four hours talking about <laughs> just have to take notes or something yeah. Yeah, yeah. make sure okay we're going on to this tangent of a conversation let's take a note of what the original question was one hour ago so we can come back to it yeah you know come come to think about it when we when i've ever had camps with a lot of athletes i typically end up being like the moderator of the day-to-day -day task because guys like you just get caught up on the couch chatting for an hour and a half i'm like guys we we're supposed to leave 30 minutes ago so you're gonna have to do it without me sorry i don't know uh, i don't know how you'll do it face on zoom you in um, every day will be its own podcast with Nick as the moderator. Yeah. Um, but Mark, uh, I wanted to open this opportunity to get you more or less exposed to our, our listeners and thank you for coming on right after your race. I know you're at the airport right now and the Wi-Fi is held up decently enough. So thanks for coming on. We'll certainly get a lot more of your perspectives. Um, our RTS age group sign up is still available on realtrisquad.com if you want to be part of our team and you know be part of the newsletters the youtube videos the exclusive discounts go ahead and sign up um we're really growing a lot this year mark's mark and nicole um you can hear nicole's episode as well but mark any final words um before we sign out today no just uh, i'll say it again join the real real tri squad join that age group squad and uh You'll definitely be part of the the best group out there and the most fun group out there.
Robbie, any final words? Yeah, I'd like to remind people to follow or uh, subscribe to Mark's YouTube channel. He has some good videos. He's got this cool Insta360 <laughs> camera. It's uh, It looks good. I like watching the videos. <laughs> you get a collab, dude. Collabs. Yes. Um, I need right. it. Yeah, consistency. So it sounds... Oh, no, go ahead. Bye. <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, peace out. You got to say it with me, though. Ready? Peace Ooh, out. <laughs> that was the worst one ever. Adios. Right. <laughs> Bye. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one man mission trying to see.